Black History Month is February, but February is also something else for us. It's building momentum. And so thank you again. We're here with Steve Oliver today. Steve, for those watching, tell us who you are. Well, first I want to say thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, one of the biggest compliments is when someone asks for your opinion about anything. But who, who am I? I was born in Halifax and uh, into a family of spiritual healers. And they worked in the Halifax community and that was sort of my introduction to spiritual work and to meditation through being exposed to how much they could do with something so invisible. And then uh, I got into theater and dance and more into the uh, oriental exotic forms of yoga and tai chi and qigong, which led me to want to be able to share. So for the last 20 years I've been teaching and speaking, some here at St. Mary's, some at Dow, and some at the uh, traditional Chinese medicine college in Bedford. So that's pretty much in a nutshell. It's not everything, but it's a... Dealing with energy in everyday life, I mean, I know it's something that me and Dre definitely talk about a lot. I like to talk with my brothers about it a lot because it is very real, as we discussed earlier. But um, in being able to be more aware of it, I mean, the term blockages came up in when we were talking beforehand. So being aware of how to apply your energy, when to apply it, when your energy is low, when something might be blocking you from attaining a certain goal because of your energy. What are some of the things that get in the way of, I don't know, people being able to manage their energy? Right. Well, the first thing you have to be aware of when you have energy and when you don't. And I'd like to simplify it even more is, uh, generally speaking, when someone feels okay, they got their energy in, in place. When they don't feel okay, they usually don't have their energy. That's, that's a rough indicator. Just ask yourself, do I feel okay? If the answer is no, then there's something blocking your energy or something. So that first thing is just the weird when you have energy and when you don't, when you feel motivated when you don't, right? The second phase of it is, what do you do when you don't and you need it? Exactly. Yeah, that's the big one. Um, you want that answer? Yes, please. Oh, no. It's a, please. <laughs> well, um, the answer is individual. But it gets to uh, then first identifying that you don't have energy when you need it or you have too much when you shouldn't, that kind of thing. It's to identify the cause. You know, what's causing, there's got to be a reason, because I've got the battery inside, there's got to be a reason why my battery is off. I wake up in the morning, I know I've got to go do something, but I can't find the juice. And there's a reason that that switch is off. you got to find the switch and turn it on, but before you do that, you got to see what's covering it up, what's blocking it, what's preventing me from having all the energy I need Anytime I need it. Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm. What's preventing you from having all 110% of the energy you need to do whatever you want? Right? So the first step is realizing that I only got 50% or 40 or less, and then figuring out what's blocking it. It sounds like you're kind of referring to just distractions because um, I was talking about with Dre and a lot of people, I guess, wake up early to have some times for themselves in the morning, to prepare for the day, to just have that time for their dreams, their goals, whatever. Um, 
But when they go out into the world, I mean, there's so many other things going on, so many other external factors that you cannot control. Yeah. So when one of them do affect your energy, you know, these distractions, these blockages, what do they normally tend to be? Well, okay. Well, let's see. There's a difference between something that distracts your energy mm. and, and not having it. You may have the energy and then it gets rooted to something inappropriate for you. That's different than not having it. It's two different issues. Okay. Right? So there's a lot of distractions out there, but I like to find out first, before I worry about my energy being rooted in the wrong direction, like think of it making like little rivers, you know, my energy's going down that river and I want it to go that way. That's, mm -hmm. that's if I have energy. What if I don't have it? Right? So if you don't have the energy, you don't have to worry about it being distracted. Because you haven't very true. You know, very right? true. You, you, right? So how do you get that? How, how do you get it? How do you get it? And what is, well, let's assume, first of all, that each one of us has more energy than we possibly need. Let's just imagine for a moment that we each have a bank account bigger than Trump's. Let's just imagine that uh, we have more energy, more capabilities, more possibilities, but for some reason, we feel poor. We don't have the energy in the morning. We don't feel like we can focus, right, and do what we want to do. There's a reason. There's something blocking it. And you know that I perceive of four things. I don't know if this is the appropriate time to get into Absolutely. it, but it's kind of important. Like, there's something that everybody will encounter in their life, and it's four things. And these are four major blocks that will prevent you from turning that switch on and having 110 volts flying through you, right? And it's the same for everybody. And, you know, uh, unless you deal with these four I call them enemies. Unless you deal with these four enemies, or four potential barriers, and they can put on different masks, but they're easy to identify. They, you know, they don't hide. Um, unless you deal with them, your energy switch will be off permanently. You just won't have any energy. So. <clears throat> I should probably run through the government. What are the four? Oh, come enemies? on, Steve. You gotta know. Just yeah, tell yeah, us, Steve. Come on. Just guys. tell us. Yeah, I gotta drag it out a little bit. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, the first one is fear. Bang out straight up fear. If someone's afraid, are they gonna do anything? They're gonna hit that off switch and turn off the lights high. If you're afraid, I don't, I'm not trying to say that fear is something that we shouldn't have. You should be afraid of heights. You should be afraid of dangerous people and dangerous places. But you shouldn't be afraid of nothing. So people will be sitting there and you'll say, well, you want to do something and, and they will be afraid and they won't do it. And it hasn't even happened. There's nothing there. There's no elephant. There's no tigers in the room. You can be afraid of the future and afraid of the past when there's no there's nothing happening. You're afraid of a potential. So this conceptual fear, you know, replaces real fear, whether there's someone that's going to beat you up or there's something that the walls are going to fall in. Those are real. 
But most people are afraid of conceptual things that have never happened, probably will never happen, right? But they're afraid of it. So this fear, if you, if you realize that you're making a, a decision not to hit the fire on switch, not to hit the button go, because you're afraid, you got to deal with that. And until you deal with that, you will never find that switch. You will never, you will always have less energy than you need. So how did you, just kind of a little note on that one, how did you learn to kind of deal with fear in growing up? Once you came to the realization that fear is going to hold me back, it's going to limit me, so I'm going to get past it. Well, there's two aspects to fear. Fear is a, I used to be, I, my brother took me to see a Frankenstein movie when I was a little kid. Scared the pants off me, right? <laughs> I was afraid of the dark for the longest time. And so the, the, when you're afraid of the dark and you're really afraid of it, right, you have a nightlight on the whole bit. The only way to deal with it is to turn the light off and face the darkness. So the one aspect of fear is just face it and say, is this real? Is there really something there? So I turn off the light and I sit there. And Frankenstein didn't come through the wall. Nothing happened. I sat there for the finally fall asleep. <laughs> right. So the first part of dealing with fear is just face it. If it's real, run. If it's not real, get about your business. But there's another subtler aspect of fear. And I just realized this recently. You ever uh, hear of uh, matadors, bullfights? Absolutely. What's the bravest thing a matador can do? It's not facing the bull. It's turning his back to your fear. When you're strong enough, you can face your fear and turn your back on it and get on with your business. Then you've mastered it. Then you're no longer controlled by your fear. So facing it's important. You've got to get to that point where you know the bull's there. You're just going to turn and wave to the audience. I love that. That's power. Yeah. That's, that's getting the power. That's when fear now can be powerful. You can use your fear to, to motivate. So that, that's fear. The, the, and everyone that encounters I don't know anyone who hasn't faced fear, or I, let me rephrase that, I don't know anyone who hasn't had issues with fear. Uh, so that's a big one. Not everybody goes to that. The second one is a little bit trickier. Second one is knowledge. I know, it's weird, isn't it? The second one is knowledge. Here, sitting in the university, yeah. saying, oh, wait a minute, what's he saying? Knowledge? Is he saying, don't go to university? No, what I'm saying is that knowledge can be extremely misleading. It can cause you to turn the switch off. You ever hear someone say, oh, I know that. Boop, turn off the switch. If you assume that your knowledge is the extent of what you need to know, and you turn off the switch, you just made a big mistake because there's always more to know. So some people who accumulate knowledge, accumulate and that's the end of the growth. But it should really only be the beginning. If that makes any sense. Absolutely, I think it comes back to, again, conversations that, that I've had recently, a little bit of knowledge is, is dangerous. It, very dangerous. Because I think it, it goes against or essentially it boils down to fix or growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you have a fixed mindset, like you said, you're going to get a little bit of knowledge and hey, this is all I need. Or well, I wasn't that far off of this. That makes sense. I'm done. I'm done new research. I'm good enough. 
or, or you have the growth mindset, which is the person that wants to continually grow, wants to, wants to get more knowledge, essentially, because they say, oh, that's a nice fact that you said, Steve. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Well, have you heard about <clears throat> always being a student? Have you heard about that one? Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's used in a bunch of different realms, even in sport, yeah. be a student of the game. Be a student. That's how you get to be in learning mode. So, uh, just with fear, we had two subtle aspects. This knowledge thing has a subtle aspect, too. There are people who think they have accumulated enough knowledge and stop learning. But then there's a subtler aspect. What if the knowledge that you're basing your decisions on is wrong? Faulty information or the lack of information is a little bit different than thinking you know it all. It's a, it's a subtly in there. So the solution with this issues around knowledge is always be the learner. Always be the learner. Um, Want to go third one before we hit the last one? Third one, okay. please, yeah. Third one, third one is, is even a little bit trickier than fear and knowledge. The third one is a, a clarity, sense of security. And you get this sense of security. You probably know people that, you know, they, for whatever reason, they feel very happy, contented, almost overly contented. A false sense of security. You're basing your, 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 your sense of self as everything being okay, but maybe it's not. Maybe you should be a little bit you know, uncertain. So when you, get, when you get this sense of that everything's good, you're whistling, walking down the street, the world's great, that's when bad things happen to me. You get this uh, swelled head, you know, you think everything's great. You can be over uh, secure in, your, in yourself, and therefore you never challenge. Mm -hmm. Once you get to this level where you think, I know a lot of people, they've worked all their lives, they got the money in the bank, or they're whatever, you know, they retired early, and they got this sense of uh, being in this secure realm. I look at them, I say, man, you're just closing up. Right, you're shrinking, right? So when you're insecure, <coughs> excuse me, when you're insecure and you, and you think there's something missing, that's when you work the hardest, right? This false sense of security will make you go to sleep, will make you lazy. So you gotta be a little bit hungry. You gotta be a little bit angry, a little bit wanting. You know, desire in this aspect is really important because people who are really secure, they don't really care. They don't really care. So that, that's a subtle one, and you gotta watch out for it because stop it. You're ready for the last one, right? I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> the last one's discrimination, which is appropriate for Black History Month, I think. Everybody, I don't care who you are, you're gonna be discriminated against because of some characteristic. Either you're ugly or you're good looking. Either you're too skinny or you're too fat. Either you're too tall or too small. There's gonna be some aspect of you that someone's gonna condition you or try to in some way control you based on your characters. It could be your religion, it could be your sexual preference, it could be your skin, it could be anything. And believe me, I ran into a lot of them. So when someone is discriminated against, what happens to them? What's the purpose of discrimination? It's a being ostracized, yeah. being isolated. Big off switch. You do not have access. 
you're not participating. You're not going to whatever. It's one of the biggest off switches there is. If you have friends that you discriminate against just based on some characteristic, you know? Now, there's two aspects to that. There's the person doing the discriminating, and then the person who's receiving it. <clears throat> so I'm interested in the person who has received it. So the question is, how did my parents excel in an environment that was heavily discriminatory? They, they just completely turned the, this province, Nova Scotia, they, com, they abolished the separate school system single-handedly. They got kids to being able to go to nursing college, which was discriminatory, which is blocked. They got rid of the separate school system. I think I mentioned that. But they did a lot of things just by facing the discrimination and getting rid of it. But how, you know, discrimination, my father used to say that discrimination, regardless of what form it takes, injures you psychically so that you always have the off switch on. I mean, that was Freudian. You always have the switch off. You always have your energy. You're not going to even go out the door. I know people who won't go to a gym because they don't feel they'll be accepted. So uh, when, you, when, you, when you face the fact that you might be fingered out because of some characteristic, that's that last enemy. But you probably know of people on this planet that are uh, super duper excelling in an area that they've been discriminated against. I'm thinking of the, the, the Special Olympics. Some of those people mm -hmm. are just, just blow your face. They shouldn't be able to do it. And they're like, you know, uh, there's lots of evidence that people who have taken, so, so to bring this home, what my parents taught me is that whenever you sense you're being discriminated against, let that be the energy, the free energy you take to excel. Mm -hmm. So it's free energy. Maybe not in the best form, you know. Uh, so the, the, it, it's an indicator that there's more there on the other side. It, it's like there's a barrier there. Why is there a barrier there? That barrier is there to stop you, to keep you in the off mode. There must be something over there. It's a big hint, there's something on the other side of that fence. So those are the four. Fear, knowledge, false sense of security, and then that big one, being isolated because of some characteristic of those. I'm Steve Oliver, and this is my voice.